Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey everyone, how are we? Teen Mom OGs, still boring, yeah? (laughs) There is some news at least this week. Before we get into that, if you want to subscribe to me on Patreon, you can find me at Liz Explains. What's it called? Patreon.com slash Liz Explains. The podcast is called Liz Explains It All. I've officially been doing it for one year, which is really crazy. You can find a link to it in my Instagram bio. My Instagram is feathers underscore pod. And I put out three episodes last week with another one dropping today, Sunday. Um, Last week, I did a episode on this season of Sister Wives with Cara Berry. I also did an Ask Me Anything not Teen Mom related. (laughs) I officially don't answer questions about Teen Mom on there. Then I did part one of a David Dobrik um, episode. I've never really done a part one and part two. You guys know I'm not afraid to release a very long podcast, but this situation called for it. If you don't know who David Dobrik is, he is one of the biggest YouTubers who is going through a, I don't want to call it a scandal because scandal feels too light for what's going on, but essentially there's sexual assault involved and he is losing all of his sponsors and he has an entire crew of friends that is being included in this. So yeah, I'm talking about that. So if you're interested in YouTube drama, I definitely recommend subscribing because I have a shit ton of episodes on YouTube. So yeah, if you want to hear about David Dobrik and the Vlog Squad or Sister Wives or just me talking about myself or the I Counted, I've officially done 108 episodes over there, which just for context, I think I've done 210 Feathers in My Hair episodes in four years. (laughs) Just to put in perspective, like, how many episodes are available on Patreon right now. (laughs) And if you subscribe, obviously you get access to all 108 episodes. So come join me over there. Okay. I never want to be a podcast that, like, spends too much time plugging my Patreon. Because there's nothing more that I hate than when, like, I subscribe to a podcast and I love it. And then they start a Patreon and, like half the episodes of the free version like end up becoming ads for their like paid versions of shit. I find that so annoying. I'm specifically thinking of one right now that I won't name that really is bad about this. And it's like, I find like that I'm like, obviously I have a Patreon. I support you having a Patreon. I want you to make money. I subscribe to quite a few Patreons myself. Like I'm a patron and have been patrons of people for quite a long time. But I still want to be able to, like, enjoy the free content. I just don't like that. I don't like that when that happens. So it's also, like, a really weird temperature in my room right now. I took off my sweatshirt, so I'm, like, just wearing a tank top. It was too hot for my sweatshirt. But now I'm feeling cold. (laughs) I need to find my summer sweaters, if you will. I have to fucking... I really have to clean out my stuff. Not clean out. Trade out my winter and summer stuff. I, it's really hard to know, like, when you should do that. I feel like it's a little easier in the wintertime because once it gets cold, like, you sell some t-shirts and stuff, so it's not a big deal. Like, you're not going to be wearing your summer dresses, but at this time of year, it's like, it could still be cold, so I'll probably keep a couple sweaters out. I also have so much stuff I need to get rid of and donate, and I know that 
all of it just goes in the landfill. So I just need to stop shopping and buying stuff in general. But it's the only thing in my life that brings me joy right now is buying things. So it's just a really tough position to be in. But yeah, I really need to do my trade out. It's like this whole system. I have vacuum seal bags and they live in big tubs in the garage in the off season. I have a shit ton of stuff under my bed right now that I need to put in new vacuum seal bags. I actually need to go get a bunch of new vacuum seal bags because I've been using the same ones for like three years and they definitely stop working eventually. Like they stop vacuum sealing. So I guess I'll do that today after after I record this podcast. I don't have that much reading to do this weekend. So I guess today is going to be the day because I know I'm going to have to write a paper next weekend. So I don't want to deal with that. I'm sure you guys all deeply care about my, my changing of <laughs> my closets. Anyway, what's up? How are we? So the big news this week is that Macy apparently was able to get the entire Edwards family fired from Teen Mom. <sighs> How do I feel about this? Not great. Look, here's the deal. The Edwards are maybe one of the only interesting things about Teen Mom OG. Like listening to them make fools of themselves talking shit on Macy is so enjoyable. Do I understand that, like, from Macy's perspective, it's probably really annoying that these people are getting paid so much money to sit and talk shit on me on TV? Sure. Like, I I understand that. I won't pretend like that. It doesn't make sense to be mad about that. Like, I, I get that. But the thing is, it's like, first of all, I don't like the idea that this is just Macy's segment because she may be the star of the segment but the point is that we like to tune in to everybody so I I don't know according to Mackenzie Edwards who spoke to without a crystal ball Macy's team her management went above the production company went right to Viacom and basically demanded that they be fired I don't really know how true that is but the statement that has been going around is that Macy and her team want to focus on her her other things in her life and her abilities. Now, what the fuck else does Macy have going on in her life? Could could somebody explain it to me? Because there's not... What, okay, I have a couple things to say. One, I'm really surprised Macy has this power. I really didn't think that Macy had this type of pool over MTV. She didn't when she wanted Fair fired. She didn't, like, she just does, she isn't that likable. Like, Chelsea, I think, has, like, real fans, and I think that people like Macy, but I don't think, Ma like, I don't think if Macy left Teen Mom, people would stop watching. I mean, first of all, nobody watches this fucking show, but out of the 27 of us that still watch, I don't think any of us are going to stop watching because Macy leaves the show. So I'm pretty surprised that she would have that type of leverage because I'm assuming it became like it's me or them type of situation. And they picked Macy. Um, I guess because there aren't that many likable people on Teen Mom, they feel like they need Macy. My thing is, I actually think Kate and Tyler are audience favorites. Now, I know people listening to this are like, no way. But we have to remember that like people like us me, Liz Bentley, and people that care enough about Teen Mom <laughs> to listen to a podcast about it, which is all of you, and who are, like, interested in the non-film stuff, which is all of you, which is why you listen to this podcast, right? Because I talk about 
the behind the scenes stuff and what's happening on social media and all of the shit that's not getting shown on the show. That's kind of the point of Feathers My Hair is literally developed, if you will. Developed sounds very silly, but it was created with the idea that like this wasn't just going to be a recap podcast, but I was going to talk about social media. I was going to talk about what we know about behind the scenes and like really bring the meta aspect of the criticism of like the fandom and what happens online into the podcast. So it was why I created this podcast. I wasn't interested in doing straight recaps. And as you guys know, the show has never been that. So if you like that type of stuff, which I'm assuming you do because you listen to this podcast, I'm sure Kate and Tyler are not your favorites. You probably don't have a favorite if you listen to this podcast because you're like me and kind of hate them all. But I think that people really like Caitlin and Tyler. I'm talking about the Facebook fans. You guys know what I mean by that. The people that like comment on Teen Mom OG's like official Facebook account. <laughs> like, like the Facebook page that posts like the previews for next week. They will get like, I don't know, like 10,000 comments, let's say. Like, I think those people, I think Kate and Tyler may be the favorites because I think that people really like Tyler. And I think they really like that they're like still together and look at how far they've come. I don't know. Maybe Macy is the favorite, but I I really do think Kate and Tyler may actually be like a fan favorite over Macy. Maybe it's Macy, but I think those two kind of duke it out for number one. So I don't think like Macy is some like undisputed queen. She also like doesn't really do social media. So she has not created like this big fan base outside of the show, a la Chelsea, which is interesting. I kind of wonder why Macy hasn't tried to do that. I was going to say Macy doesn't have the personality for it, but I don't think you necessarily need a personality to be an influencer, but I guess that's not true. I guess I think Chelsea's boring, but like she does have a personality and it's a personality that likes trends, that likes talking to people, that likes all of that shit. And I think that's why she does pretty well on social media. I don't think Macy has that in her. I think Macy's kind of awkward. We know Macy doesn't really care about clothes. Like, Macy's been dressing exactly the same since she was 20. Um, We know she doesn't care about hair or makeup. Like, I don't, and I don't say that as a criticism because I don't really care about hair and makeup. I like clothes, but I don't, I, I don't mean like, (laughs) and Macy doesn't even care about her hair or makeup because like truly who gives a fuck? But as far as, like, influencing and doing the type of influencing that Chelsea does, like, you kind of have to care about that type of stuff. And I just don't think Macy is, like, as convincible as a saleswoman because I think she has a very flat personality, right? Like, Chelsea, as boring as she is, is expressive. She's funny. At You know, like, you know, I don't really think she's funny, but people think she's funny. She has a personable husband. She has these cute little kids. And Macy has cute little kids, um, but she has a husband that people like. But I don't know. There's something very flat about Macy and Taylor that is not the case for Chelsea. And honestly, I wouldn't even say for Kale, who I also think is quite good at social media. I think Kale's very good at what she does. Um, I think Kale probably actually, Chelsea probably makes more than her, but Kale probably makes the second most money out of everybody in the Teen Mom franchise, um, like outside of the show. I think Kale does very well between her podcast and her social media shit. I think Kale is doing fine for herself. But I think that like Macy just 
you know, she talks slow. She's just never been like a big personality, like an out there type of person. And so I think that it's like hard to connect with her via social media. And obviously she's not even interested in doing it. I'm assuming Macy has some sort of burner Instagram account, like a Finsta where she actually uses because her accounts are like exclusively to post clickbait stuff. I think that also like really turns people off. Um, so I think she doesn't have like as many followers as she nearly could because people don't like to just see that. So I don't, why am I talking about social media? It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about in general. But yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on if Macy could be a social media influence or not. I think obviously she could, obviously. Like anybody that is on a TV show can do social media influencing just by nature of having a built-in following. But I think as far as like really creating like a brand on Instagram for herself, I think Macy doesn't necessarily like fit the mold of what is successful on there. I mean, I guess she could figure out like um like a country version. I don't want to say country, but like an outdoorsy girl version. It's like not even outdoorsy Instagram type, right? Like she's not into like hiking and shit, like dirt biking version. I'm sure there's a niche for that. I'm sure there is. So I don't know, maybe she could do something like that. But I think that Macy just like wouldn't be that great at influencing. She's not very convincing. Like I can't imagine her selling anything basically. And all she wears are those fucking TTM shirts. <laughs> and nobody cares about that brand. But Macy, I guess, has the pool to go to Viacom and get the Edwards family fired. Now, I understand why people support Macy in this. Because the Edwards are pretty bad people, right? Like, <laughs> I get that. I do get that. I'm not saying, like... Macy has no reason to want them fired. What I'm saying is from a show's perspective, I do not understand this move. I do not understand why, whether it's Viacom or MTV as a network or the production company, like why they would go along with this. Because the whole point of this show is showing drama. And the only drama Macy has in her life is with the Edwards. And now, is that good for Macy? Yeah, like I've talked about this with Chelsea. It's good that Chelsea's life is boring and she has nothing to show on a TV show because most of us live boring lives and would never be on a TV show because we're not interesting. Like, that's not a bad thing to be that way. You know what I mean? But as far as a television show, it doesn't really add anything to it. Like, it doesn't, it's not compelling television. All of Macy's scenes have been very boring this season. None of us care about the PCOS stuff. Um, as far as like her, I've seen a lot of people being like, yes, this is great. She's protecting Bentley. I don't know, guys. Do I think Macy's doing this to protect Bentley? No, because I think if Macy wanted to protect Bentley, there wouldn't be a television show, right? Like Bentley wouldn't be on the show. None of the kids would be on the show. And realistically, Macy wouldn't be on the show. I personally do not believe that as long as these kids are on TV, they're being protected. I just don't think that's true. I do think, of course, like, it's better for Bentley that his dad's side of the family isn't talking shit on his mom on television. Sure. But like, how much does Macy really care when she has fucking accounts in Bentley's name, like posting clickbait articles, including clickbait articles about his dad being a drug addict? Like, and Macy's like posting clickbait articles about Bentley's like, Bentley's so upset that his grandparents are talking about him. Like, she clearly doesn't care that much. She clearly prefers making money. 
there's also just nothing in Macy's life that I care about. I don't want to watch someone just being a mom and, like, taking her kids to sports. Because, you know, she has those kids in, like, 1,000 sports. Like, I don't care to watch kids wrestling. Like, I don't want to watch that. If I wanted to watch that, I'd call up one of my girlfriends and go with them to their kids' sports games. Like, that is all accessible stuff that I don't care to see. I like to see Ryan and Mac talking shit and looking like idiots. And that's the thing. Like, they look bad. I don't really know why Macy feels like they need to not be on the show because it's not like they make her look bad. Here's the other thing. I'm not sure Macy's going to love an edit that she gets with the Edwards not being there. You know that the show needs a good guy and a bad guy. They always have. That's how they do it. They like the audience cannot. The audience just like cannot comprehend if there's somebody that's just good. Like we need a villain too. And the Edwards serve that purpose in her segment. So who is that going to be? I think we're going to get a lot more of Macy's drinking if the Edwards aren't there. Like, I think that MTV is going to have to do something to make these compelling. So what's the story going to line be? Is it going to start showing Macy drunk all the time? I don't know. I don't know. I think it will. Personally, I hope. I hope because that's the only other like semi-dramatic thing or interesting thing about Macy's life is that she's drunk all of the time because she's drunk all of the time. Like we all acknowledge that, right? Like she drinks a lot and I don't know, maybe she doesn't drink a lot, but like the fact that she is always drinking, it really stood out to me a couple of weeks ago when they were having that game night with the family and she was drinking a White Claw and it's like, it's a Sunday night, you're having you're playing a game with your kids and you're being filmed like does this need do you need to drink during this or remember when she had like Bentley's private wrestling coach over it was the middle of the fucking day she and her friend were in there drinking and it's like do you need to have a Bud Light right now like is that something that needs to happen it's just weird like appearance wise and there's no way that she like doesn't know that people notice this so it's weird that she hasn't like picked up on that and stopped doing it and even if she doesn't have a problem which like who fucking knows if she has a problem we see so little of her life one would think that like they'd be aware of people being like macy drinks a lot and so you'd cut it on camera but she doesn't have any desire to do that i guess so i hope that's what angle they go with did you notice on the next week they did something weird which they never do ever they did in later this season and they just showed Taylor and uh, Larry fighting at the reunion. And I think they did that because of the news of the Edwards firing. Um, I think that MTV realized that they needed to include something like that in there so the audience wouldn't be like, what the fuck? And the audience would understand, like, if they're reading about the, the Edwards getting fired, they would get it. I'm curious about what this means for Ryan and Mackenzie going forward. Like, I don't think Mackenzie works. She posts, she does you know, she does Instagram stuff. So, but who knows how much money she's making on that. Ryan obviously doesn't work. Apparently she told Katie Joy from Without a Crystal Ball that Ryan has some skills that they're going to fall back on, which good luck. Um, I've also seen a lot of people be like, MTV should be, MTV should fire Ryan so they're not enabling him anymore. I think the concept of an employer enabling like an addict by paying them for their work is very weird. I think that people with substance use disorders are allowed to have jobs. <laughs> I don't I don't think MTV is enabling Ryan. I think that's a weird mentality. I also 
don't really believe in the concept of rock bottom and I don't believe that we need to like take all good things out of an addict's life to punish them into getting sober because I don't think that's how it works. I think what's going to start happening is Ryan's going to start stealing. Like Ryan, I mean, that's that's what you do when you're a heroin addict. You start to steal eventually. Like that's what every heroin addict does. Like you start to break the law to get the money that you need. Women, unfortunately, usually end up in sex work and men end up burglarizing. Like that is very, very common for heroin addicts because you have to get your fix and you need money and you don't have money. So how do you get it? You can't hold a job because your life's too much of a mess. I don't know. I just like this idea that the only way for somebody to get sober is to like literally make them jobless, homeless, familyless. Like, and then they're just going to be like, oh, I get it. I want to get sober now. I just don't. I don't think that's accurate. I will say overall, Ryan looked a lot better this episode. I, he didn't, I swear to God, he must have been wearing a wig last episode. I swear. It, his hair didn't make any sense and it didn't look like that this week. I really think he was wearing a wig. <laughs> I love the idea of Ryan being like, I'm just gonna wear a wig. I think that'd be really funny. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely disappointed to say the least that they're not going to be on this show anymore. I don't care. You know, I don't care that much about the Edwards well-being. I don't really care about that, but I do care about the show that I watch and the entertainment factor. And I do know that Macy is unbearably boring. Macy's an unbearably, unbearably boring person. Like part of what I was saying about the social media stuff is that Macy is very dull. Like she she's a very flat personality and watching her is not very interesting. So I don't know. I don't know if the next announcement is actually that Macy's leaving the show. I know that a lot of people when Chelsea left, like thought Macy would be the next one to go. And I was like, I really don't think so, because Macy, you know, Macy really benefits from this show. I don't think they had money any other way. Like, I think that they fully rely on Teen Mom for their job. I do not believe TTM is making enough to keep them in the lifestyle they've become accustomed to. But I don't know. Maybe they're leaving the show. I'd be pretty surprised, but maybe that's the next thing. And the Edwards just don't realize that. So I guess we'll get into this week's episode right after a quick break. Hey everyone, today's episode of Feathers in My Hair is sponsored by Helix Sleep. And let me tell you, I'm hyped about this. Helix reached out and asked if they could send me a mattress. And of course I said yes. You guys know I love bed. I love it. I'm recording this ad from my Helix mattress. The thing is, my last bed was just too soft. It was hurting my back and I was really ready to upgrade to something nicer and firmer. The Helix site has a two-minute sleep quiz to help you pick the mattress that works best for you, which I appreciated because here's the thing, like I need a firm mattress because of my back, but I also want it to feel so soft at the exact same time. So I'm picky and I wasn't quite sure what to get. So I was glad that there was a sleep quiz that could guide me through the process of picking the mattress that would be best for me. I was a little intimidated about the idea of buying a mattress online, but the sleep quiz really made me feel confident in my choice. Helix has soft, medium, and firm mattresses, as well as a cooling option for all of the hot sleepers out there. I'm also a hot sleeper. I have a lot of needs when it comes to a mattress. 
Helix cares about everyone getting the mattress that works best for them and has options for all body types, including plus size. I took the Helix quiz and it recommended me the Midnight Lux. It's a perfect combination of soft but still firm for my back. But at the end of the day, when I get into bed, I just feel like this is so comfortable. If you're in the market for a new mattress, you should hop on over to the Helix site and take the quiz and see what they recommend for you. It comes shipped right to your door. Just go to helixsleep.com feathers, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you with a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Each mattress has a 10-year warranty, and you can try it out risk-free for 100 days. If you don't like it, they'll come and pick it up for free, but I think you will like it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com feathers. That's helixsleep.com F-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. I guess we'll start with Cheyenne and just get her out of the way because really there's nothing to say about Cheyenne. Corey came home and she told him he's pregnant and he's happy for her because what else would he say? Like, (laughs) I love how they have this build up like, oh, I don't know what Corey's going to say. Of course, Corey's going to say he's happy. I really, you you weren't sure? (laughs) I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Also, okay, did you guys notice if you actually watched this episode, which is probably not most of you, the amount of timestamps they were using? It starts with Macy and they show her like talking about the shooting, which obviously I'll get into in her segment. And then it goes to like in Cheyenne's segment, they're like a week later, two days before. Like, I don't understand why they're using so many timestamps. Like, I don't care that it's been a week. Like, I don't really know why we needed to see one week later in a timestamp on the TV and not just hear Cheyenne in the next moment say, Ryder's been with her dad for a week and now he's bringing her home. (laughs) Like, we get it. Uh, Corey also talks to Zach, which Cheyenne pretends to be nervous about, but of course is just like, I love you, baby. Good job. I'm so happy for you and Cheyenne. Like, there's no drama. Like, Corey clearly doesn't want any conflict, and Corey clearly doesn't care at all. Like, really doesn't care. Although there is a cute moment when he comes in and she has the ultrasound and she's like, did you see our baby? And then because it's like Kyle, their mom's there. I don't know if their stepdad was there as well. But Kyle starts laughing that like, it's our collective baby. But I I mean, I really think it kind of is because it seems like, you know, Boz is always around Kyle's son. And it's nice that Ryder and Boz are so close. And now the new baby will be in there. I wonder if Kyle's in a relationship. I don't think, I think we would... No, I mean, I have no idea if we would know, but she never seems to have like a significant other around, but I would be curious to know if she's in a relationship. Are Kyle Lynn? (laughs) I'll never be over that. (laughs) It's a wild thing to name your child. R, letter R, Kyle Lynn. Oof. It especially doesn't age well, like what we know about R. Kelly, you know, so like R. Kyle just doesn't, it's not great. It's really not great. (laughs) But that's truly all that happens in Cheyenne segments. I mean, Cheyenne has no drama in her life. Like what drama could Cheyenne possibly bring to the show at this point? She has a extremely happy family. Even her dad and mom, like, and their significant others all seem to get along. Like there's no drama or like divorce drama. Corey and her are getting along great. Corey's life is really good and he's happy. Um, 
And then she's happy with Zach and Zach's like obsessed with her and like so excited to be a dad and like do everything that she wants to do. Her sister and her family love Zach. Like I there's no there's nothing to talk about. Like I don't mind watching her scenes because I like her and I like her family and I like Corey. I think that they're all pretty endearing and like they're and I they're a fine palate cleanser, I guess. Like I'm fine with watching them. I'm never like, oh, Cheyenne's on again. I'm so bored of this. Like, I don't feel that way when I watch it, but there's nothing almost ever to talk about on this podcast about her. So that's all I have to say. (laughs) Let's go to Mackenzie McKee, who... (sighs) Dark. Oh, you know what? Because we were talking about love languages last week, and I posted on my Instagram what I called a non-comprehensive list of people's love languages, the teen mom cast, not just like people, my life's love languages. No, the teen mom cast members love languages. This is what I came up with. So for teen mom two, I put Janelle as quality time and words of affirmation. Kale acts of service. Somebody pointed out in my comments that she's definitely also a physical touch person, which yeah, I agree with that for sure, because I think that's why she and Chris are like still together. But I think Kale, as far as like what she wants in a partner is acts of service. But I think that physical touch is kind of like what like drives her. Leah physical touch. (laughs) I saw some people suggest words of affirmation, but I'm not so sure. I don't feel like she really cares that much about words of affirmation from other people. She likes to give them to herself. I don't know. Maybe she is words of affirmation because she's always giving them to other people. But physical touch for sure. It's why she always cheats on all of her significant others. Chelsea, words of affirmation. Duh. Duh, 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 duh. Brie gifts. I'm not so sure about that because Brie's kind of an enigma to me. But when she was, I don't know if she's still with that guy that she was seeing. Javi too. Like you have I talked about this on the podcast that Brie is dating another guy named Javi? <laughs> so I don't know if she's still with Javi too, but Javi too was always posting gifts that she bought him. So I'm guessing that her love language is gifts. Javi's physical touch. Jade is acts of service. Corey is acts of service. And Jeremy is physical touch. Somebody in the Instagram comments suggested also that uh, Jeremy is acts of service because he like likes to come home and have his wife have dinner ready and she's raising the kids. But I don't actually think that that's a love language for him. I think that he just thinks that's what a wife is supposed to do. I think that obviously, like, he doesn't like it when he comes home and everything is a fucking mess and there's no food and all of that shit. But I don't think that, like, I don't think I would put that in love language category. I think that's everybody that, yeah, that's everybody that I wrote down. I mean, I know there are other cast members, but Joe, I don't really know. I feel like we don't really know that much about Joe or V as far as like their personal lives. And we never really saw Kale and Joe in a relationship. Like even in their teen mom, they were, or they're 16 pregnant. They're like not really happily together. So I don't think we really know much about Joe. Who else has been on this show? Like, I feel like that's everybody and their husbands, right? Cole is obviously words of affirmation. He also likes to do acts of service. That's why he's always building Chelsea shit. Yeah, so that's Team Mom 2. So for OG, I wrote Amber's are words of affirmation and quality time. Um, it's not surprising to me that Janelle and Amber have the same ones. I mean, I like how I'm like, it's not surprising to me. Like, yeah, because I am making this up. Like, I don't. <laughs> but I do think that 
Amber and Janelle are quite similar, at least when it comes to relationships. I put for Mac McKee, maybe acts of service. But then I remembered last week on the podcast, I was saying it's words of affirmation. So I think for her, it's both. I think acts of service she really likes because I think she wants to be able to post on Instagram things that Josh has done for her. I like I I really think that to be true that like all Mackenzie wants is a husband that will like build her something so she can be like oh my god I woke up this morning and look what my husband did like no almost nobody I feel like lives their life more for social media than Mackenzie McKee it's kind of wild even in this episode they show us like they show us her filming herself on her phone like talking into her phone I guess to post on her Snapchat stories because Mackenzie's like still big on Snapchat. <laughs> okay, for Cheyenne, I put gifts. Macy, acts of service. Farah, words of affirmation and gifts. We know Farah loves the gifts. Um, Tyler's words of affirmation. And for Caitlin, I put, I'm not even sure she knows, which is sad, but I think true. I'm not sure that Caitlin like really knows what it feels like to be loved because I'm not sure that Kate's ever really felt that love from anyone, including her parents, which is quite sad. I mean, I think she feels love from Tyler, but I think it's never been like a really genuine, authentic feeling. So I, I'd be curious what Kate says her, her own, like, like, I would be curious what she says is her words of affirmation. Speaking of Kate, um, oh, I'll get into it when we when we actually speak about her. We're talking about Mackenzie McKee right now. So Josh is officially in Florida. Um, they're going to build like a table together, like not build, build it like out of the box, though. Not like not like from wood. They're not like carpenters, but they're putting together is the word I was looking for or the phrase I was looking for a table and Mackenzie's talking about the fact that they've like built so much stuff together and she's like we did that whole home renovation which was miserable and if you guys don't know Mackenzie and Josh had gotten into this like rent to own scheme with this owner she like this house that was kind of falling apart um it had <laughs> it had this like lofted out room that was out to the side that was like standing up literally via one load-bearing like pole that was collapsing (laughs) but they put all of this time and money into like fully renovating this home like Josh redid the kitchen he redid the living room like months and months and months of time I think like a year worth of work and then they were not able to purchase it I can't remember exactly what happened if there was an, I think there was like an issue with the structure of the home and then the guy like wouldn't sell it to them. It was like a real mess and they had spent at least a year like pouring money into fixing up this home with this idea that they would be the eventual owners, (laughs) which was a big yikes. And that's when they got the house that we see on Teen Mom. I don't know if she owns that house. I mean, I guess she does because she like still has that house and Oklahoma and she's renting it out and like putting it on Airbnb and shit, which I still like. I'm still wondering who in Miami, Oklahoma, like needs an Airbnb. I'm so a little curious about that. But in general, I think that she she must own that house because of the way she treats it. But yeah, it was a really she really got herself in an idiotic situation with that rent lease house. But she says that Josh is like so hard. He's frustrating to watch work because he's so hard on himself and everything has to be perfect. And she's like, what's that? 
what's that thing you have? What's it called? And I thought she was trying to say he's a perfectionist or he's type A because she goes, is it CVD? And then she goes, oh, it's OCD. Ha 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 ha. Okay. First of all, we're not calling people OCD anymore. Like we're not using OCD as like a descriptor for people. OCD is a very serious mental health issue and it doesn't just mean that you need things to be in perfect order. That's called being a perfectionist or maybe being like a little obsessive, but we're not saying somebody, we don't use OCD as a descriptor anymore. And for Mackenzie to get OCD mixed up with CBD, I don't know. It's just her thing. Mackenzie goes to Josh, did you know my birthday's coming up soon? And Josh like grunts a yes. And she goes, you did? Like so joyful, so surprised. Guys, Mackenzie's turning 26. Josh and Mackenzie have been together since she was like 14. And she is still like blown away that he's remembering it's her birthday. (laughs) Oh, gosh. She let us know at the beginning of her segment that when things are good with Josh, they're great. And I'm like, is that true? I, I just I think when things are good with Josh, she convinces herself they're great. I don't think they're actually great. I think that she just like she feels she's like, well, we're not fighting. You know what I mean? And like, this is fine. But I don't think she's like actively happy. I think that anytime they're not fighting and Josh is being like semi nice to her, she is feeling like things are great, which is sad. Whitney calls her, her sister, and she picks up and Whitney's like, what are you doing for her birthday, Josh? And he's like, um, it's a surprise. (laughs) AKA Josh has no idea what to do for Mackenzie's birthday. (laughs) On the day of her birthday, you know, she's obviously sad because it's her first birthday without her mom, which I have a lot of empathy for. She's 20. I mean, it's really sad. She's 26. She's so young and her mom is no longer there. I know that it's really hard for her. She does say like when she's happy with Josh and like things are going well, she's not thinking about her mom as much, which also made me depressed because like Josh is a thing that you're relying on to keep you happy. Like that's a, it's a bleak outlook. It's a really bleak outlook. She goes for a run in honor of Angie because we know that Angie loved to run and then Josh and the kids make her breakfast and then they go to the beach where he gives her flowers and Mackenzie says, I'm really touched that Josh planned a birthday surprise for me. What? Did we miss, like, did we miss something? They literally just, like, had breakfast and then went to the beach. Like, they live in Florida. They live at the beach. (laughs) Like, they just spent a day together. And I'm pretty sure, like, Josh does not have a job in Florida, so I would assume that they're spending days together every day. (laughs) Mackenzie's standards are in hell. Like, Mackenzie has no standards. Josh just needs to be like, hey, Mackenzie, babe, I love you. And she's like, Josh is an incredible husband. He has changed everything. God, it's just so, I want to say it's fake, but like, that's not the right word because it's not, I don't think Mackenzie's like lying to us. I think she's lying to herself. She's convincing herself that her and Josh are doing well and it's okay so that she can just be married to him because she doesn't want to deal with not being married to him. And that's some sad shit. It's also sad to be 26 years old and in like a completely dead marriage with three kids like connecting you to this awful person. Like that's some depressing shit. (laughs) 
Mackenzie and Josh getting married was the worst mistake either one of them could have made. They should have split up after Gannon was born and went on their own ways and lived their own lives. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. Okay, so let's talk about... Let's talk about Amber. Actually, let's talk about Macy next. Um, as I we already talked about a lot about her, obviously, with getting the Edwards fired, but it starts with her sitting in her room talking about the shooting that happens, and then it's like rewind three days earlier. What? <laughs> Why did they do that? <laughs> what like because we know it's show we're watching. Like, you don't need to get fancy with the editing. I promise you, you don't need to get fancy with the editing. So it's Bentley's 12th birthday coming up. As you know, every single season of Teen Mom, OG, we get a Bentley's birthday episode, always without fail, although this one is a dramatic one, to say the least. But Macy lets us know that because she's still mad at Jen and Larry, she hasn't texted them about Bentley's birthday. Um, then we go over to the Edwards house where Ryan and Mackenzie are over and they're talking about Bentley and Bentley's party. And Jen says she texted Macy to ask if they could see Bentley and she hasn't heard anything. I will say I find this to be really fucking annoying. I cannot stand somebody that like is not responsive to me. I don't really mean like I understand, like, not everybody's great at answering texts. Like, that doesn't bother me so much. But the fact that Macy just, like, ignores Jen until she, like, wants to respond is very annoying to me. And it's because she doesn't want to, like, actually stand up to Jen or confront Jen. And so she just ignores her until she's ready to be like, yeah, you can see Bentley. That would drive me up a wall. It's like, send a text. No. Actually, you can't. You won't be able to see him. That's, like, (laughs) oh, gosh, it would drive me insane. Um, of course, Ryan, you know, well, Jen starts with there's no reason to keep Bentley from us on his birthday. And Ryan says there's no reason to keep him from us anytime. And Jen says, I know, I know. And Ryan's like, I don't understand why she keeps him from us. It's just like the delusion levels are off the charts. Like how they can get on camera and act like they have no idea why Macy doesn't want Bentley around them is so wild to me. The fact that Jen, like, is on such eggshells around Ryan that she will not say anything. I did notice, like, every time they're over there, she has a baby in her arms. Like, Larry's always playing with one of the babies. Like I said earlier in this season, I really think that those babies are what keeps Jen towing the line with Ryan because I think she's terrified of losing access, not just to Bentley, but those other little kids, which is really unfair. It really sucks that Bentley or that Ryan has that power. I just don't, I don't know how they can have such little shame. (laughs) And of course, like the fight that happens at the reunion that we saw a little clip of, which what we saw was Taylor like yelling, like y'all act like you have no idea what's going on. You know, it's Ryan's fault. Ryan has never been involved and yet you're blaming it on Bentley. And that's when Larry like pops out of his seat. And that's when Uh, Macy grabs Taylor to come back like they don't end up fighting or anything but it's the truth it needs to be said but the only reason that Jen and Larry are on that stage at that moment is because Ryan and Mackenzie wouldn't even get out on stage with them because they're such little babies I would be oh I get it I get why Macy cannot fucking stand them and doesn't want them on the show I get it I just don't like the idea of cast members being able to be like 
I'm not, I don't want them on my show anymore. I don't like that. I don't like it on Real Housewives when they refuse to film with a cast member. Like, I don't like it when they are producing their own segments, especially on a show like Teen Mom, where they are so boring and stupid. Like, I'm sorry, Macy's not smart enough to produce a show. She's not. She's not good at it, I don't think. Because if she was good at it, she was. She would understand why the Edwards were saying, needed to stay on TV. I don't know. I, I really think we might be getting a Macy leaving storyline. So then we get a scene of Macy and the kids and Taylor dirt biking and they're talking about Bentley's birthday. They're just going to keep it little this year because of COVID. She hasn't spoken to Jen about it yet, but she did say that they could have him. I guess she eventually said that they could have Bentley next week, but they decide that Bentley's just going to have like a couple friends over. It's not going to be a big deal. Macy doesn't even do that thing that the teen mom moms always do. It's like, well, do you do you want your dad to be there? Like she doesn't, they don't even mention Ryan. Ryan and the grandparents are not mentioned at all. I mean, he is 12. Like they're not having a birthday party, I'm assuming. Like he's just inviting friends over. It's, I think by 12, you're like, especially for boys, you're kind of past the age of like formal birthday parties. So Macy then is like filming herself. She's like, well, I'm driving to go pick up Bentley and then I'm bringing him and his friends back here. And then we kind of find out what happened, which is really genuinely scary. Um, a crew member comes out and like is talking to the camera people and is like, Taylor just had to leave because something happened with Macy. There's a shooting. We don't know. And then we see some like body cam footage of the police officer. We see an article. I guess one of the people involved in the shootout was killed by the police officer, which is like, so scary to think that, like, not only did this shooting happen, but, like, somebody actually died there. I really, I really felt for Macy. We get a scene of Taylor coming back with Macy, and he comes out of the car first and is like, you guys have to go. He did a cut the cameras dead ass. And they're like, well, how's Macy? He's like, she's shaken up. But, like, no, we can't have this on camera, which I totally get, especially when we get this sit-down segment from Macy describing it. You can tell she is shook I feel like shook up is an understatement she is fucked up from this rightfully so when she explains it like I had so much sympathy for her in this moment it was so scary what she was describing I guess she went into the store and she said she just heard like a bang and then glass felt like exploded on her and she like could tell right away that it was that there were bullets, like it was gunshots. She said she could see bullets in the air. I'm not totally sure what that means, but I've never seen like a gunfight. So I don't, can you like see the bullets going back and forth? But she said she like felt the glass on her and she couldn't tell if the shooter was inside the store or outside the store, which is very scary, very scary. And I guess she went into the bathroom and locked herself in the bathroom in the gas station. I mean, it's just, awful. She said before she called 911, she called Taylor for, she said it was an eight second call and she couldn't even like fully say what she was trying to say, which was she called him because she thought she was going to die. But she like can't even say the word die. She starts to cry. It's just really, it's really, I, I would be fucked up. I would be fucked up from this. It's not an over exaggerated for TV type of thing that happened. I Remember reading an article that I guess 
the cop had used her car as like a shield. Like the person was shooting in the direction of her car and the cop was hiding behind it. Now she was inside the gas station, but I'm sure that also fucked with your mind because it's like, okay, I was inside, which is why I was spared. But like if I'd been in my car, like I probably would have been killed or shot. Like I can't imagine how fucking scary it is to just like hear a gunshot and then glasses exploding on you and you don't know where the gunshot is coming from I would imagine that's a very scary situation in which like you have no idea if you're safe or not like obviously if glass is exploding on you you're not safe but it's one thing if you like can see that the person is outside so at least you like have time to run somewhere I don't know it's just so scary I really I really felt for her when she was talking about this I really did I that is horrific. I think it's good that she like sat down and told us what happened as far as the TV show goes. But I would understand if she just like could not even talk about it. It's really awful. It's so like, I, I, I mean, I'm sure it was terrifying for Taylor. He just like gets an eight second phone call from Macy saying like, I they didn't say what it said. I'm curious what she said. Like, there's a gun, like there's a shooter here. I'm going to die. Like, that's so... It's so scary. It's really interesting, I guess, that her instinct was to call Taylor and not 911. I think I would understand. I think, like, I would assume in that situation that somebody else is calling 911, right? I Like, not like the bystander effect thing, which I guess isn't even true. They proved it's not even true with the Kitty, uh, what's the case? The Kitty G, how do you say her last name? Genovosa? Givanisa? <laughs> I think it's G-E-N-O-S-V-A, I think is how you spell her last name. I actually have no idea. But it's that Lady Kitty, which, who was murdered in New York City, and they used to use her murder as, like, the basis for the bystander effect because she was supposedly, like, basically beat to death or stabbed to death in the middle of the street and was screaming, and everybody ignored her screams because they assumed somebody else was calling 911. I guess that has been, like, debunked, you know? Like, that didn't actually happen, and it didn't happen that way. But there is this idea of, like, the bystander effect where everybody else assumes that somebody else is doing something, which for sure makes sense. Definitely makes sense. I'm just glad that Macy's okay. I'm glad that Bentley wasn't there with her. I'm sure she's very glad that Bentley wasn't there with her. And, yeah, I'm, I guess next week they're going to talk about, like, the after effects of it, which she's having some PTSD, which, yeah, I, I think it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty remarkable if she didn't. So, Kate and Tyler. I actually think Kate and Tyler were pretty interesting this week. I think it's very interesting watching them deal with parenting in the, in the nature that they never had involved parents. I think that it's very it's like such an interesting peek into a world that we're able to see what it looks like to have two people who suddenly in their lives have a completely different life than they had as children. And they're now parents and they want something different for their kids than they had. And they're not sure how to give it to them. Um, They talk about this a lot in this episode, but you know, their parents never did schoolwork with them. Kim was always working. They weren't able to have any help with school. Tyler suffered a lot in school. And now they want it to be better for Nova and they just don't know how to get there. I don't feel like we get to see a, 
enough of this on the show, enough of Caitlin and Tyler kind of reflecting on their childhood and how that impacts them as parents. But I think it's very interesting. I like to watch them not struggle with this, but I like to watch them talk about it. I think that this is some real shit. And I appreciate that they're trying to help Nova, but it's also sad and compelling to watch them admit that like they don't know what to do and they don't know how to fix Nova, fix Nova. They don't know really how to help Nova and they're not totally sure like how they're supposed to be parents because they never had parents that helped them in school. I was talking, hi, Erin. I was talking with Erin, a listener of the show who's from my town. So we chat and she is a reading specialist and she said like how, how nuts it was that she, that Nova was just sent home with a standardized test result with no explanation. Poor little Nova sent home with a sheet in her binder (laughs) that Tyler and Kate find that basically say she's like scored 0% on some standardized test they did and that she is behind in school, which I don't like, I don't think it's that big of a, I don't want to say it's not a big deal, but I think the reality is like achievement markers in kindergarten can be a lot for some kids and some kids just aren't ready to move on and need to do a second year of kindergarten or they just need more help. I don't think it means that Nova has like serious learning disabilities that are going impede to her, impede her ability to learn forever. Like I don't, I don't think it's like that, but I understand and they should be concerned obviously, but to send that result home, I don't get, like I would be very upset to find that like of course you're like um my kid scored zero percent what the fuck and then it's like she they have special categories they don't even know what these I mean I didn't know what they meant either but they don't even know what these categories mean they have no idea what they're supposed to be doing and I just think it's an interesting look into a situation in which two parents have like propelled themselves into this new life that they're not sure how to guide their children through because they had no example of how to do that Um, I know they want Nova to do well in school and they want her to be like educated and smart and well-rounded. And I think that they're not really sure how to help with homework. I think that they're not sure. I mean, I wouldn't be sure how to help a kid learn to read. Like, I don't know how much they read to Nova because I doubt they were ever read to, you know, like I don't, I think that stuff is really hard to learn how to do that on your own without any behavior modeled to you. And I definitely respect that they care a lot about it and they're making an effort to help Nova. They really think Nova has ADHD or Tyler thinks that Nova has ADHD because he has ADHD and he said he sees a lot of it in him, in Nova. I wouldn't be surprised if she did. I mean, a lot of people have ADD, right? Like myself included. Where am I? So he goes and talks with Kim and Kim lets us know she's sick of masks. (laughs) We haven't heard from Kim about the election results. Uh, She probably at that point did not. Well, maybe she still doesn't believe the election results. So Tyler's telling her about this and Kim's like, no, but Nova's smart. I guess the issue is, is that Nova isn't good at sounding out words or recognizing letter shape, which means she's not reading, right? Like she's not reading on reading level. And Kim goes, she's so smart. And Tyler's really funny in that Tyler goes, I, I, this just made me laugh because Tyler goes, well, yeah, to our family, she's smart. (laughs) 
There was a lot of self-awareness from Tyler in this episode where he's like, no, I know we think she's smart, but like she's our kid. She's supposed to think she's smart. Kim is like, well, you know, I just didn't have time to help you in school. Like what would have happened if I lost my jobs? And she's right. Like what would have happened if she lost her job? She, I mean, that's the shitty thing about being poor in America, right? Or being lower middle class in America is that like, you want to help your child succeed so much and you're working so hard so that your child has the best opportunity at life. And because you have to work so hard, like you are not able to guide your child and ensure that they get there. It sucks. Tyler does say though, he's like, my mom never asked me what I, what I felt like in school or what I learned in school that day. A producer was like, well, did either of your parents ever like sit down and do what you just did with Nova, which is helping her? They were like working on a worksheet with Nova to like look at letters, which we've seen them do quite a few times. And Tyler's like, no, nobody ever sat down and did homework with me. So I'm proud of them for caring. I'm proud of them for trying to do better. I'm proud of them for realizing that Nova needs extra help. Um, I think that can be hard for parents to admit or acknowledge I think it's easy to be like, no, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. But I think it's good that they're very concerned and they have a parent teacher conference over the phone and MTV puts up this like dramatic, MTV did not film the conference, but this like dramatic music and you're like, oh my God, what did they find out about Nova? And then the next scene, Kate's like, that went great. (laughs) And basically we just find out that Nova is a little behind, but the teacher really isn't that concerned. They just need to work on her with it. They need to work on, like they have started to do, they need to work on her letters and sounding things out. So Tyler's just like, Kate's like, why are you so panicked? And Tyler's projecting his struggles with school and the struggles he had onto Nova, which I think is very, very natural. I I think that it's very hard if you had a lot of trauma in your childhood and you didn't have adults modeling behavior for you. I think when you see struggles in your kids, it's easy to just be like, oh, well, they're going to end up like me, which I had a lot of issues. But then you, you know, you, how do I want to say that? Like, you need to remember that actually your kid probably isn't going to end up like you because you didn't have the support that you're giving your child and that like this super traumatic and awful thing that happened to you might not be so traumatic and awful for your child because they have parents that they know love them and are providing for them and provide a pretty stable home for them and it's going to get them help and isn't it's not just going to be this like lifelong struggle hopefully for them so I get why Tyler's flipping out but I also think it's good that Kate is like she's not you like she's not you I have one friend in particular who has great kids. She had a really, really hard, hard childhood. And sometimes she'll come to me with, not like come to me with issues, but we'll be talking and she'll say something like, I'm just so worried that I'm fucking them up. And I'm like, you think that because like you didn't have parents that like loved you and gave you a safe home. So like you only have bad experiences with childhood, but like your kids are happy and healthy and provided for and very loved and supported. So like it's okay okay if bad things happen to them because they also have good experience and love and support. Like you, I get why people that grew up with a lot of trauma get so freaked out when their children have bad experiences because it's like, I know how that would have made me feel when I was a kid, but you can't compare 
how you were as a kid to how your child is a kid because you are giving your child just such a better life than you ever had. But I get why it's really hard. And I definitely think that Tyler and Kate deal with that a lot. But I also think that anybody that grew up in a traumatic situation without like great parents feels that way. And also like they kind of show it in a scene for next week where Kate is asking or Nova's asking, I think Tyler, but it sounds I don't know, could be Kate. I mean, really neither of them had a dad, but they're asking like why don't you have a dad? I guess Kate is pretty close with her dad. They're probably she's probably asking about Butch because I don't think Butch has really been around. I mean, Butch didn't come when Veda was born. And he had already been living in Texas for over a year at that point. Nova's five, Veda's two. I mean, she probably doesn't even really remember Butch, you know? Like, Butch probably hasn't really been around since she was two-ish. So maybe she is asking Tyler why you didn't have a dad. And I feel for Tyler. Like, I feel a lot for somebody that's trying hard to do better than their parents did. And maybe not doing the best job in the world, but is fucking trying. And when he's like... I don't know how to be a dad because I never saw a dad. Like, that's upsetting to me. Like, that really makes me feel very sad. But I also think that, like, just thinking about that means that he's doing better. And I like that Kerfi, the producer, like, pointed out, like, they're, like, talking about how hard school is for them and nobody helped them. And, like, that subtle question by Kerfi, which was, like, hey, did anybody ever help you with your homework? Like, did anybody do what you guys just did? I think help them kind of put into perspective that Nova does have it better than they did. Um, Tyler at the end says, <laughs> Tyler goes, I think we're okay parents. He goes, I don't think we're bad, but I don't think we're particularly good either, <laughs> which is always how I describe them. <laughs> like Tyler read one of my Reddit comments for sure. And Kate goes, no, I think we're doing great. And Tyler goes, not really. Because <laughs> Tyler's right. Are they doing great? Probably not. But most people aren't doing great parenting. They're doing a hell of a lot better than their parents did. And hopefully what this means is that Nova has parents parents modeling to her how to be a pretty good parent. So when she has kids, she'll know how to be a parent. You know, I, I kind of have this theory that like, the first generation out of trauma, like, can't be that perfect, perfect, I'm using perfect loosely, but can't necessarily achieve the level that they want to achieve. But as long as they work really hard and they try, they can set their kids up to have the normal life. And then their par- their kids have, like, the normal parenting experience and, like, have all of these skills that they didn't have when they become parents. You know what I mean? I think it's, like, that second generation out of the trauma is where, like, the benefit really comes in. Like, I think Nova and Veda and little baby Z have a good life. They have good parents. And I think that, as a result, their kids will be set up for success. And I hope that somebody can tell Kate and Tyler that. And I think it's good that Kate thinks that they're doing. I actually think it's good that Kate thinks they're doing great. I think that's good. Kate has gotten a lot of self-confidence, by the way. Kate, according to her Instagram, is booked through August with microblading clients. Like, get it, girl. I don't know how often she's taking clients, but she's actually been posting pictures and they look good. Um, the ends always look like a little bit weird. I think she needs to work on the, like the end of the eyebrow, but also she posts them like freshly done and obviously they look different once they like heal up a little bit and they fade, but she's doing a really good job with a natural look 
keeping the like natural shape, just enhancing the natural shape and doing them a good color. I'm, I've been pretty impressed with the pictures that she's posted, considering how new she is to it still. Uh, Kayla from Young and Pregnant, which, by the way, when the fuck is Young and Pregnant coming back? Oh, yeah, 16 and Pregnant is on. And I've had some people ask me to cover it, but I just, like, haven't been in the mood to watch 16 and Pregnant. So maybe I'll watch some 16 and Pregnant this week. Maybe. No promises, but maybe. But Kayla from 16 and Pregnant is doing it, just learning, and boo, they look awful. Poor little Annabelle, her friend Annabelle. She let Kayla practice on her, and good thing microblading microblading is only semi-permanent, right? But I actually, I looked at Kate's, and I was like, those look fine. They look good. I especially, I really like to look when I'm judging people's microblading, because I'm an expert microblader, so I'm, I obviously can judge people's skills, right? No, fucking, if, if I can't be on this earth judging people on things that I cannot afford or cannot do myself, like, just kill me. What's the point of being alive? It's always when people are like, um, why are you even judging that person's house? You can't afford it. Like, if I can't judge people's houses, like, just murder me. <laughs> I saw a funny TikTok the other day that the person was like, look, I'll never be able to afford a house and then roll down the window in the car. But that house is fucking ugly. Why did they do that? And I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I was looking at the before and afters and Kate did a really nice job keeping the natural shape, which I think is the most important part of microblading. You're just trying to enhance the natural shape. I saw a lot of people on Reddit being like, everybody, everybody's microblading looks bad. Microblading's out. And it's like, no, 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 no. The people that you can notice have microblading, that looks bad. But a lot of people have microbladed eyebrows that you would never know because they just enhanced the natural shape and just made it look a little better and made, you know, kept the color mostly the same, but like filled in the natural shape. Like that's the way to do microblading. And Kate seems to be doing a pretty good job on it. It's like plastic surgery, right? Like they always say the best plastic surgery is when somebody sees you and they're like, did you get a haircut? Like you look different. Like it's not, something's different about you. And I think it's the same should be said for microblading because it's a cosmetic procedure, but it should just enhance your shape. Um, I personally have pretty thick eyebrows, so I'd probably not ever get my, I can't like see myself getting microbladed just because I have thick, dark eyebrows that have like a good shape. I don't really even, I mean, do people still fill in their eyebrows? I don't know. I haven't worn makeup in a year, but I don't really fill in my brows. I use like a Glossier Boy Brow, which is the biggest ripoff of a product that's ever existed. <laughs> the first time I went a Boy Brow. I laughed out loud when it came. That thing is $20. It's the size of my pinky. <laughs> but I like just a natural, like, full eyebrow look, which is what I have. So I don't see myself ever getting microbladed. But if I did, I would be very, very picky and, like, definitely find somebody whose work is just about enhancing natural and not looking you, making you look crazy. Like, Brittany from Vanderpump Rules her arches are insane. They look so bad. <laughs> so bad. I'm pretty glad that like the crazy eyebrow look has gone out. I like a natural looking eyebrow. And I guess we're going to get around to thin eyebrows again, right? Like the 90s is back, baby. I found some flare jeans that I like. Unlike a lot of millennials, <laughs> I'm embracing the Gen Z trends. I really, I hate, I hate this debate and hearing this conversation, but I think a middle part is very cute. And I'm cool with finding some flare jeans and wide legs jeans and not just wearing uh, skinny jeans. I like trends. I like following trends. I found some really cute flare jeans from Old Navy, actually. 
Well, Navy's one of my stores. I talked about where I buy clothes and how I buy clothes on my Patreon. Ask me anything because I had somebody ask me, like, I'm short and chubby. Where do you buy pants? And I had some suggestions for her. And I talked about shopping and shopping as somebody that's plus size, like that's not plus size, but doesn't fit into the straight sizes for every store. I mean, most stores I fit into straight sizes. I don't really know if there's anywhere where I can't fit in, can't fit into their clothes at all uh, at this point. But there was a point when I couldn't. But where my body is now, I mostly can. But I do look at some plus size stuff sometimes. Um, It can be hard. You're like in between. My new thing is finding... So there's, it's called midsize, I guess is what I am. And now there's like this whole crop of like Instagram girl, style girls, fashion girls that are doing like midsize fashion influencing. And I definitely suggest like if you have a midsize body, because there's definitely like a decent amount of plus size influencers, which is, I mean, not nearly as many as there should be, but I think it's hard. Like, I think as far as finding like, people that look like you on Instagram that are influencing clothes, it's very hard in like the mid-size range. And by that, I mean like the 12 to 16, maybe like 12 to 18 range. I don't really know when it gets to like what like a plus size fashion influencer size would be. 18 is plus size, but I think you know what I mean by this. But I really suggest if you're like me, finding a fashion girl that has a similar body to you and seeing what they wear instead of just trying to buy stuff that is either worn by like much larger or much smaller. That's a really obvious suggestion, but there's one called Official Mac Rose. I really like her. And there's another one named Danny. Let me see if I can find her name that I really suggest. She has really fun clothes. Let me see. You know what I hate? Instagram search function. Because you have to, like, know, um, I can't find her name, but you have to know exactly what that person's Instagram handle is. I don't fucking know anybody's Instagram handle. And, like, if they don't have their name in the Instagram handle, like, I cannot find them. It's so annoying to tag. I don't like a lot of things about Instagram. I don't know where I was. Why I'm talking about clothes, I'm not sure. But I think that's it for Kate and Tyler. I am glad that the teacher walked them through the tests. I still think it's absolutely wild that they just sent her home with those terrible test results without an explanation. (laughs) Okay, let's wrap it up with Amber, um, who is the most self-centered person in the world, possibly. The way that she talks about Leah is so sad because she only talks about Leah like in reference to what Leah does for her essentially and like what Leah thinks of her like there's no talk of like what can I do to make my relationship better with Leah everything she says is like well Leah needs to understand Leah needs to do this like one day Leah will understand like it's all about Leah like in the future magically forgiving Amber for everything she'll just understand and it's like well why don't you fucking work on it today like why don't you forget all of that, forget like hoping for the future and work on trying to fix your relationship today and what you need to do today to make your relationship work. Amber's not interested in doing that. Even the opening, her opening line is being distanced from Leah right now is challenging, but there's a lot of stuff she doesn't understand about me and my mental health, but some of it needs to wait until she's a bit older to explain. Sure, that's fair. Like she is 12. She doesn't understand the depths of borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder and drug addiction. That's totally fair. I totally understand. 
But at the same time, like, she doesn't need to understand it. Like, just start showing up for her. Like, that's all Leah seems to want, is for Amber to show up and be there and to, like, be present when she's there. But Amber, Amber can't give that because Amber's very unwell. If this season has shown anything, it's, like, how unwell she is. She's still on Instagram Live all the time. The other day, she was on at 7.30 in the morning, which I'm assuming meant that she had not gone to sleep yet because we know she doesn't wake up early. Um, She was on with Dimitri, so I guess she and Dimitri are back together. And people were like, he only wants you for a green card. And they were just like, she was going on about how 90 Day Fiance makes all of them look bad and he's not using her. And then I guess someone said she was a bad mom or something and Amber looked at her profile and could... I was wearing, like, a thong bikini, and Amber was just, like, screaming, like, you're a hoe, you're a hoe, we would have called you a hoe, you fucking bitch, like, just, yeah, it was 7.30 in the morning, I was still in bed, and I get to work at 8.30, <laughs> if that tells you anything, it was, must have been before 7.30, because I usually get out of bed at 7.30, so this was probably 7.15 a.m., and I'm just watching Amber scream about someone being a hoe on Instagram Live. And the fact that Dimitri's back in the picture, it's not good. This whole episode is basically about Amber's dog dying, Madison, which is sad. I'm pretty sure Matt. I don't know what happened to the other dogs. The other dogs are not mentioned, but it seems like Madison is the only one that she has. Um, She FaceTimes with her mom and she says, you know, me and Lee are having problems. I'm trying so hard to get the bond back to where it needs to be. And it's like, Tell me, tell me four ways that you're working hard to get the bond back with Leah. Also, like, back, when did Leah and Amber really ever have, like, a solid bond? I don't think ever. When she says get it back, I'm like, I think you need to work on building a bond. I think that's also the other thing. I think Amber has this, like, magical fantasy in her head of this time that she was, like, this expert mom to Leah that doesn't exist. She even says, did I write down exactly what she said? She said, you know, I just want to get back to where she'll realize one day that I, what I did for her before. Um, I don't know where she said. Oh, she says it to the therapist later, but she says she's going to understand how much I was there for her before and what I was trying to do and what was going on. What? When was that? Because we watched on TV. You were not really there. By the time Leah's won, Amber's like fully, fully a drug addict. Before she's won, she's really struggling with being a parent. Um, By the time Leah's two, I think is when Gary had custody of her. Then Then Amber's in prison. She gets out when Leah's I think Leah turns five or six in that Bean Amber special, which she filmed literally as she left prison, which you should watch if you haven't watched that. I think Princess and I did a recap of that on Feathers in My Hair at one point. Scroll back and find that. I was still in Florida. I remember recording it in my Florida bedroom. So sometime pre-June 2018. But, you know, she gets out of jail. It's Leah's birthday. And Leah's, I think, four or five in there in that episode and she's like trying to take care of Amber (laughs) then she gets with Matt like within two years of that less than two years of that so like when (laughs) 
when was Amber, like, really a full presence in Leah's life? We know that when Matt and Amber were together, Matt was the one that had a good, close relationship with Leah. And that he was the one that woke up with her and made her meals and hung out with her while Amber slept. We know that. We, I just, when she says, like, we need to get, she'll know what I did. What I'm pretty sure what she says that is that she's talking about prison and, you know, the brave move of putting herself in prison. She was only in prison for like 17 months. Leah's 12. That's a lot of time, a lot of non-prison time. That makes me question what the fuck you're doing as a mom. So we get a scene of Gary talking to Leah about the dog dying and basically is like, you know, it's really sad that dog has been with your mom through everything. And she's like, you know, your mom's just going to need a little extra love from her daughter, from her boo-boo. And Leah's like, I I don't see her. <laughs> Leah says she doesn't go over there a lot. And even if she does go over there, she's sleeping. Yikes. She says, we haven't had one-on-one time in a few years. She's not even trying. And that's why it's like we hear Amber being like, I'm a good mom. I'm a damn good mom. I'm working. Like, Leah and I just have to get back to where we were. And Leah's like, we don't have one-on-one time. She doesn't try. I think, I wonder if Amber gets really mad. I bet Amber gets really mad at Leah when she sees these scenes. Really mad at Leah. I wonder if she's been saying on Instagram Live anything about it. Poor Leah. Amber decides to, oh, Gary then goes, well, you know, it's a two-way street. No, it's not. Not when the child is 12. I do think once you're an adult, if you have, like, non-abusive parents, then having a relationship is a two-way street. Like, if you're an adult... You don't, you need to put effort into all of your relationships, including the relationships with your parents. But when you're 12, no, it's not a two-way street. No, 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 no. Amber needs to be putting in the work and then Leah can respond to the work that Amber puts in. The idea that Gary said, like, I don't really get why Gary said that. I, I'm, because Gary's stupid. (laughs) Gary doesn't have any emotional intelligence, that's why. But I wish he had been like, well, you know, I'll talk to her. I don't know why Gary, like, doesn't ever offer to talk. I mean, maybe he just knows nothing's going to change. Okay, so they decide to have, Amber decides to have a therapy session because she's having trouble dealing with the dog. And I'm like, are you not having therapy sessions regularly? (laughs) Because to me, that means that you're not seeing a therapist, which it's, I, you need to be in therapy, Amber. I feel, Amber is a really bad and abusive person, but I also just feel deeply sad for her. I think that life is very, very hard for Amber. And I think that Amber doesn't have the motivation that she needs to fight every minute of every day to get better from her mental illness. And I can emphasize with that because that's a really hard task um, it's why Amber needs to, like, take herself off this show so she doesn't have to sit around, like, explaining her mental illness and justifying why she does certain things all the time. Um, because I don't think that Amber really wants to do the work it takes to get better. And I don't blame her for that because it's really hard to do that work. But at the same time, it's like, don't sit here and pretend like you're doing the work <laughs> because you're not. So she talks to the therapist and the therapist says that, um, basically it's like, she says that she puts out so much positive energy 
but me and but between me and Leah, but people think I'm a bad mom. That's what she says. She puts out so much positive energy between me and Leah. What does that mean? You notice how Amber's not saying I spend time with Leah? It's because she doesn't spend time with Leah. Leah's 12. She just needs you to be there, Amber. Oh, it's just so frustrating and so sad that it's so clear that Amber is not actually interested in being a mom. Maybe that's another reason she needs to leave the show. So she can just stop trying and like totally, I mean, that'd be really sad for Leah. It'd be really sad for James if Amber just checked out. But as far as Amber's mental health goes, her life would probably be a lot better if she like didn't have to constantly justify why she's a good mother to people because she's not and she knows it. I'm pretty sure she really knows it. She just doesn't know. She doesn't want to admit it because why would anybody want to admit it? You know? So the therapist is like, well, how do you see yourself as a mom? And Amber goes, I'm a good mom. You know what? I'm a great mom. She says, I'm a damn, I'm damn good at what I do. I work hard. I'm a great mom. I really am. I am a good mom. Uh, You work hard? Amber's genuinely a little delusional. I think that she, her perception of reality doesn't match up with reality. I don't think Amber's lying when she says this. And I think that a lot of people um, don't get this and they have like real trouble believing this. And they hear Amber say like, I'm a good mom. And they're like, she's, why does she fucking say that? She knows she's not a good mom. I think that Amber doesn't have perspective that's connected to reality um, because her, you know, her mental illnesses are not really being treated. I know that she's on medicine, which I'm sure helps with her bipolar disorder, but she also has borderline personality disorder, which can't, isn't really fixed with medicine. She needs to be doing DBT therapy and like actively working regularly in therapy all the time. And I think until she does that, I think that she doesn't She's not, she doesn't see the world the same way that we do. And so when she says I'm a good mom, I think she might believe it. And I think that's, it makes her really mad at Leah for not like recept, like receiving her as a good mom, which is dark. It's really dark. I also wish that the therapist would have asked Amber what she's doing. I mean, I don't know if that's appropriate for a therapist to ask that or not, but I feel, I would like to hear Amber explain what she's doing. I would like to have have somebody in Amber's life that can take her through like and just like help her like you just need to show up but she can't I mean she can't it's depressing but she can't on that depressing note that's it for this week like I said if you want to hear a million episodes on Patreon this week on Wednesday is Jersey Shore but if you want to hear about YouTube and an AMA and Sister Eyes with Kara Go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. If not, I'll see you here next week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.